Hello and welcome to The Corporate Casket, a bi-weekly series where bad businesses go to die. We will discuss any and everything from bad charities, terrible CEOs, and businesses that have a lot to hide. I'm the Illuminati, and today we're going to be discussing the TV show, The Doctors. You'd think with a name like that, that this show would be a fantastic source, chock full of health advice, good sourcing, and medical professionals. Obviously, since it's here on the corporate casket, that's not entirely the case. Otherwise, it wouldn't be here. So anyway, let's just cut to the chase and get right into it. The Doctors was a TV show created by Jay McGraw, Phil McGraw's son, and it debuted in 2008. I've talked a bit about Dr. Phil here. So while the fact is that he's one of the producers and that, you know, the show is obviously here, it's going to speak volumes about this program's credentials. The concept also originated on Dr. Phil in the first place, and it was meant to focus on health and medical issues. While a team of medical professionals discuss topics and answer questions from viewers, Dr. Travis Stork hosted the show up until recently when season 13 began, he was an emergency room physician, though their whole casting change and revamp will come into play later too. He's also known for appearing on The Bachelor and writing the New York Times bestseller, The Doctor's Diet. The thing is, I've got no issue with doctors being well-known household names or anything. I mean, hey, medical professionals, healthcare workers, I feel like they deserve a lot more credit and love than they get. And the pandemic has helped us realize that at least a little bit. However, at the same time, if this host is just spouting off clickbaity titles to grab the audience's attention, then we've also got a problem here. Sometimes science and medicine can be quite dry. It's not necessarily about psychic vampire repellent that Goop promotes or whatever the hell the latest diet trend might be or something disgusting that you can't look away from like urine facials. And yes, that's the thing they actually did do on this show. So when it comes to mixing daytime television or reality TV with actual health and wellness advice being given to the general public, it does seem like a lot can and will go wrong. And considering the show's format and who's behind it, well, I'm entering into this with some pretty low expectations. According to one source that describes the show, led by Dr. Travis Stark, though again, he left very recently, The Doctors is a panel talk show. Various physicians of various disciplines have sat in the show's four chairs. So it's sort of like The View, but with a health and wellness focus that resembles Dr. Phil or The Oprah Winfrey Show. However, at the end of the day, The Doctors is a TV show, not med school or a medical journal, which means behind the scenes, things are as odd, scandalous, and off-putting as a doctor's episode without cyst popping. Not only is a lot of information and advice touted by the doctors potentially just thinly veiled advertisements, but it would seem that a substantial amount of medical claims made by the shows are just that, claims, as in they haven't been proven to be medically valid. Because I believe it's probably the most important thing to discuss, we're going to start with the health claims. After that, we'll get into the products and more specific incidents that have happened because of the show. But let's get this behemoth out of the way first. All right, so health claims. What kinds of claims have the doctors made and are they accurate? A 2014 study in the British Medical Journal examined 40 random experiments, selected episodes of the Doctors and Dr. Oz, as they were part of the same study as well, and studied 80 randomly selected statements or recommendations made from the episodes to try and figure that out. The results, well, not so great for the doctors. According to the study, for recommendations in the doctors, evidence supported 63%, contradicted 14%, and was not found for 24%. 
In other words, yes, in the claims there were actual studies for these recommendations, most of the time, 63% of the time, the doctors got it right. But the rest of the time, they were either wrong or making claims without proof. And those are some pretty abysmal odds. Would you go to your doctor knowing that 14% of the time they were going to give you advice that was the complete opposite of what studies show to be proven, factual, and what's generally agreed upon by the medical community? I sure as hell wouldn't. People make mistakes and I get that. I'm not saying if a doctor at one point in their career makes a mistake, it means they're a horrible, malicious person who should have their license stripped away. Mistakes happen and there's obviously exceptions to every rule. But claims, especially claims that are being broadcast on television to millions of viewers should be backed up. Don't just say, hey, you should do this, or this is good for your health, unless there's incredibly good reason to say that. Why is that so hard to understand? Plus, even according to this data, there were well over 400 recommendations from the doctors in the episodes they selected with about 12 recommendations in each episode, most being general medical advice. They also analyzed Dr. Oz in this data, though I've already talked about him and his numbers were pretty similar and even a little bit worse. The doctors is a lot like Dr. Oz to be frank, though it talks about weight loss a fair amount less and general medical advice quite a lot more. There's also the issue of recommendation details as this source explains. The benefit of the recommendation was not specific, 57.4 to 58.7% of the time. For example, a recommendation from the Dr. Oz show that vitamin E improves brain power would be considered a benefit, but not considered specific or measurable. And the magnitude of the increase in brain power was not discussed. Magnitude of the potential benefit was mentioned in 11 to 16.5% of the recommendations, often in relative rather than absolute terms. For example, vitamin E in foods cut risks of Alzheimer's disease by 25 to 70%. Recommendations were made by the host 26% of the time on the Dr. Oz show and 65% of the time on the doctors. Guests made 65% of the recommendations on the Dr. Oz show and 33% on the doctors. Both the hosts and guests made the recommendation 9% of the time on the Dr. Oz show and 2% of the time on the doctors. Acknowledgement of a potential conflict of interest was identified four times over the 924 recommendations. Again, These numbers are not great. This is not a margin of error. This is a pattern of behavior that shows these doctors don't always know what they're talking about, yet they're going to talk about it anyway. If these doctors are on television, I doubt they're able to keep up with every single new study and breakthrough in the health field that's going on. So shouldn't they be consulting with specialists and people in the field that are taking up most of that time to guarantee and test that information to see that it's valid and accurate? That's just my opinion though, and another personal reason why I would be skeptical of their recommendations. For now, I wanted to see if I could find my own health claims. I started with one of their videos from 2013 that says, unexpected causes of poor sleep. Travis Stork has a woman, Marcella, come on stage and open up these boxes with doors on them to guess the six reasons why you can't sleep. She opens the first one and a light bulb is inside. Stork explains that blue light can affect your sleep, electronics before bed, and hey, there's studies to support this, so that's a valid reason. The next is that loud noises can keep you from sleeping. He says, we fill our lives with noise, and he recommends that ambient noise is okay, but loud noise is not. Personally, I feel like that's somewhat obvious, but he didn't mention that white noise can actually be beneficial to some patients under certain circumstances. There's been debate about it really, and some studies show that it can improve memory in those with ADD, while it can actually lower the attention span of those that don't. 
all in all, his general advice of don't fall asleep with loud banging noise is again, obvious and kind of just time filly. His third piece of advice is that you can have trouble sleeping if you have poor posture from sitting all day. Sitting up straight, having good posture, yes, this can affect your sleep. But the sources I found talk about how bad posture can actually cause pain and how it may influence respiration. So Stork isn't wrong necessarily, but his wording is incredibly vague. Then his fourth one is an absolute joke, honestly. If you shop online all night, you're not gonna sleep. Well, yes, that's kind of how sleep works. That's like saying, if you stay up all night playing video games, then you won't sleep. Like, yep, that that seems to correlate pretty pretty accurately there, buddy. I might question my life choices every once in a while, but I don't know anyone that stays awake doing something and then looks in the mirror and goes, why am I not sleeping? And not like in the way where like, I know at least sometimes I stay up really, really late at night and I just do stuff and time passes me by and I didn't even realize time passed me by. It's literally like, oh, if you're doing something, then that means you're doing something, which means you can't do the act of sleeping. And so he's like, yeah, so if you're doing something, then you can't be sleeping. And I'm like, well, yeah, that that's kind of how it works. His fifth piece of advice is that vitamin deficiencies can lead to sleep issues. And as he states, the CDC found that one in three people are vitamin D deficient. Finally, a source. So I went to the CDC to find out what they say about vitamin D deficiency. And if anything, the number is actually a little bit higher. A separate, more recent study showed that 40% of the population is vitamin D deficient, not one in three. I don't disagree with him here, but there are studies that point to vitamin D deficiencies being associated with sleep disorders. The other thing he mentioned was overwhelming fatigue and how that could be a sign of heart disease. So it's important to talk to your doctor. Again, I don't really disagree with him. The sources are there and available and it's pretty much provable. Other than loud noises and online shopping be the most obvious and eye roll worthy advice I've ever seen, I don't have a problem with the advice given, at least not from this clip anyway. However, the claims that especially bother me are the ones where they condone multi-level marketing and unproven products. So let's take a look at those, shall we? An example of this would be Juice Plus. We've already talked about Juice Plus here on a separate episode. So to see the doctors condoning them is incredibly frustrating. It's not hard to find that there's no scientific backing behind Juice Plus, but in case you didn't get a chance to listen to that episode, here's a few highlights and a refresher. According to Quack Watch, the Juice Plus recipe for success is very simple. Fruits and vegetables are good for us. Capture their goodness in convenient products. Add endorsements, testimonials, a pinch of fear, a scientific veneer, and several dollops of deception. And harness the power of multi-level marketing to spread the word. Richard Dubois, MD, a board-certified internist who is described as one of the world's leading authorities on infectious disease. Du Bois correctly describes how clinical trials have found that supplementation with individual nutrients sometimes does more harm than good. But he then asserts that the juice plus nutrients are safe and more effective because the phytonutrient content of the plants is balanced. Based on all of the above assumptions, he concludes that everyone should take juice plus. The above reasoning is not valid. Epidemiologic studies do not prove cause and effect. And even if causal connections are established, they do not prove that dietary supplements will remedy a poor diet or that Juice Plus is an optimal supplement. In fact, it is not likely to be optimal because it lacks vitamin B12 and most of the minerals included in full spectrum multivitamin pills. Nor is there any logical reason to conclude that Juice Plus is balanced simply because its ingredients were extracted from foods. Only well-designed long-term clinical trials can determine whether taking Juice Plus or any other pill or potion can actually prevent disease. But that's not all. 
Much of the protective effects of fruit and vegetables is due to their fiber content. Juice Plus pills have nearly all the fiber removed. Moreover, eating the recommended portions of grains, fruits, and vegetables does not merely provide high levels of phytochemicals. It usually means that the overall diet is low or moderate in fat. Nobody knows whether adding a product like Juice Plus to a high fat or low fiber diet would provide much benefit. The bottom line is that if someone's diet is low in fruits, vegetables, or grains, the most prudent action is to fix the diet. And sorry, I know that was a bit much, but there's seriously so much that can be said. But since I've already done an episode on Juice Plus, I'll just kind of stop there. You can always check that one out because I went ham on this MLM. There was so much to talk about it. I think it was like a 50 minute episode. It was insane how much BS is packed into Juice Plus. So my point is to see the doctors promoting this just infuriates me a little bit. Plus they say on air that it has clinical studies that prove it boosts immunity and helps fight cancer, but that's an absolute downright lie. I've talked about those studies, how biased they are and how misleading they are. So for a show called The Doctors to promote this is grossly irresponsible. And then to add on top that Juice Plus is an MLM or a multi-level marketing company, which is an extremely predatory business model, that should make these producers question what the hell they're promoting, but I guess not. Even the products they endorse have left them injured. According to a source, in 2012, the show aired a segment called Sumo Suits, inflatable recreational outfits worn by duos to mock fight. They were the number one fun activity offered by cool college town bars back in 1997 or so. Anyway, the doctor said that popping on a sumo suit is a great way to get a little exercise and exercise is a healthy thing doctors encourage. The show's Dr. Drew Orden donned one of the suits to demonstrate, but in a lawsuit filed in 2014, he claims the bit left him injured. Dr. Orden reportedly took issue with the company that loaned out the sumo suits. He alleges the business was reckless because it allegedly didn't properly train him on how to wear the suit or warn him about the possibility of being injured in the suit. Sounds like he should host the lawyers, not the doctors. And I don't know if he actually ever filed the lawsuit because TMZ is the one that initially reported on the story and I don't really consider them a credible source, but I just think it was a bit stupid that they did this for a show to boost their ratings and make the audience laugh and it hurt one of them. Again, it's pretty cringeworthy and irresponsible to say, oh yeah, it's a heck of a workout when they don't know how to use these suits to begin with. Also, as an aside, Orden has also allegedly had a lawsuit filed against him because a California woman was given implants without her consent by Orden. She was only trying to make her breasts more even and he insisted she do implants instead. Still take it with a grain of salt because this was another story that I found only in gossip columns and things of that nature. So I have no idea how accurate it actually is. Of course, this is only the tip of the iceberg. There's also videos of Stork saying how quinol turmeric is his favorite supplement. It supports healthy joints in a pretty obvious ad read. I get that channels and celebrities have to make product reads. Yes, I mean, even I do product reads here. But there's something really weird and uncomfortable about a doctor promoting a supplement when the industry is incredibly backwards, unproven, not really tested or evaluated, and it's just shady in general. They aren't evaluated by the FDA, unsurprisingly, and yet so many of these daytime doctor shows peddle supplements as if they're a miracle pill that's going to keep you healthy. Unsurprisingly, the studies the Quinnell site provides about turmeric are minimal at best and don't even prove their point. Frankly, it might just be a study on how muscle soreness is reduced slightly, but it's not on their product or their pill specifically, so it doesn't mean much. 
Also, and although this is just speculation, I think it's great timing how Dr. Stork just so happened to come out with a story about his chronic pain when he got this endorsement so that he could come and talk about how it helped him. That's like if a hairdresser comes out and says she's been silently suffering with hair loss for years now, but Monate changed all of that and she wants to reveal it to her clients magically. It's just shady as hell, honestly, considering the lack of regulation around supplements. I'm not saying that he doesn't suffer with pain or that he's lying. I genuinely wouldn't know. It just rubs me the wrong way that it just turned into an ad read. If Quinol helped him, that's great. But when someone's getting paid to say something about an unproven, unregulated product, then it's kind of worth being suspicious. But I guess that's just a massive problem with TV doctors in general. But speaking of all these endorsements and ads and stuff like that, it's time to talk about today's sponsor and a product that I obviously use because I wouldn't endorse it if I don't use it. I've been off my shaving game for the winter, but with the warmer weather and summer right around the corner, I can't wait to get back into my regular routine. That first shave after letting your leg hair grow out all winter is so satisfying. And it seriously is like, it's great because I'll just be in the shower shaving. And then all of a sudden I'm like, ta-da, dolphin legs. And I need a razor that makes shaving uncomplicated and is gentle on my skin, leaving it moisturized, super smooth and bump free. And the Athena Club's razor is hands down the best razor I've used. Athena Club's razor has thousands of five-star reviews and is designed with built-in guards and an innovative handle to help prevent razor burn while being gentle on curves. Plus the razor blade is surrounded by a water activated serum with shea butter, hydrolonic acid, which is the holy grail for skincare. And the best part is the razor kit is only $9 and it comes with your choice of handle color, an extra blade head and a magnetic hook for easy shower storage. This is an equal opportunity razor. So ladies, gents, they's and thems, this is for everybody. Athena Club also just got their shave foam back in stock. And let me tell you when I'm saying that, nab this while it's still in stock. I don't know how to say this because I'm not allowed to say any other brand names or anything, obviously, but when I use the foam, sometimes it leaves this weird, like gummy-ish kind of residue on my legs when I'm shaving and it just grosses me the heck out. And that's obviously not the case with the Athena Club. So that is an extra bonus here. So if you wanna get started with the Athena Club today, sign up and you'll get 20% off your first order. Just go to athenaclub.com and use promo code casket. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com and use promo code casket for 20% off. This episode is also sponsored by Mint Mobile. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by the big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, well, what's the catch? After speaking with the good people over at Mint Mobile and learning a little bit more about the company, it turns out there isn't one. Their big secret, so to speak, is that they only sell their wireless service online and then have it shipped directly to your door. So by cutting down on retail stores and the brick and mortar crazy overhead costs, that means they don't have to charge as much for their cell phone service for the same great service you can get from all the major providers. I am recently experimenting with a Mint Mobile plan myself. I paid for the one that is $30 a month and that is unlimited everything, data, talk, text, you name it, it's unlimited. And I got myself the Motorola Razor. And like I said before, that retro theme is amazing. 
But what's even more amazing is how easy it is to get started with the service. You literally can just buy a phone from them or transfer your own phone. And then you just simply put in the SIM card and you download their app and then you just start it up from there. It's super easy, it's ridiculous. It shouldn't be this easy, that's the reality. Like I was shook. I was like, really, that's all I had to do and now that's it, boom. And my phone's working perfectly. I don't have any problems calling, texting, getting service. It's actually stupid easy and amazing. And if you're switching your phone over, you can also switch your phone number for free. There's no problems there. You don't have to get a new number if you don't want to, just an FYI on that. So if you want to get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, make sure you go to mintmobile.com casket. Again, that's mintmobile.com casket. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com casket. Now it's time to continue on and talk about how the doctors exploits the contestants that come onto their show. We've seen this before with Dr. Phil, where I feel like the show just uses people that genuinely need and want serious professional help, and then they just turn it into a cog for ratings. In one case, there's one woman that's addicted to exercising who says that it's helping her coping mechanism to escape the fact that she faced sexual abuse when she was younger. While I wasn't able to find the entire episode, it feels odd to me to see such a personal dark story used for ratings. I hope she's getting some genuine help because I'll be frank, I don't think she needs a physical exam or a doctor in that way, but a mental health professional to help her get through this. Another scenario is that of a 27 year old man whose body never went through puberty. When they do get him examined by a professional or at least someone not on the set in a different setting, I don't really know, they film a lot of it and it seems deeply personal and invasive. What about doctor-patient confidentiality? Because personally, I feel like this crosses the line. Maybe the guest did consent to this, but it just feels wrong being able to watch in on this. However, one case that has been confirmed to be exploitation, at least from the visitor's view, is that of Tyler Bowling. One article states, A 21-year-old Minnesota man's lawsuit against CBS claims that producers for the network's medical show, The Doctors, tricked him into appearing on air for a surgery to remove pearly penile papules from his penis. Court News Karina Brown reports that Tyler Bowling claimed he contacted California-based cosmetic surgeon, Dr. William Groff in 2009 about a laser treatment to remove pimples from his penis. Dr. Groff's office, he says, offered the $4,500 treatment free of charge if Bowling would agree to discuss his condition on the doctors. Now, let me stop right there for a second and just say, holy shit. This is how court shows like Judge Judy work, where they'll mail those things that have been filed in small claims court saying like, hey, do you wanna take this on television? But this is happening with operations? I mean, it's a horrible way to take advantage of someone. $4,500 is a ton of money. So of course someone's gonna feel pressured or inclined to say yes, like they're gonna get their medical problem solved and they won't have to pay for it. There's a power dynamic there that's a little messed up and shouldn't really be happening in the first place, especially not when it comes to something so personal. Bowling claims that Dr. Groff's office told him that the show was only seen by doctors and medical students and that they neglected to tell him about the studio audience. When informed that the show would air nationally on CBS, Bowling says he expressed reservations, but that Dr. Groff's secretary proceeded to cajole, massage, and persuade him that appearing was no big deal and that no one would see the episode and that his appearance would be anonymous, the lawsuit says. Bowling claims that he was then persuaded to sign release forms despite his hesitation and that he was rushed onto the show's set in front of a live audience. In the appearance, the show's host claimed Bowling emailed the show about his problem and that Bowling was brave enough to appear on the show to discuss his condition. 
They then invite him to undergo the laser treatment and check in with him after the treatment to see how it went. In the lawsuit, which he filed against Dr. Groff, La Jolla Cosmetic Surgery Center, CBS Television Distribution, Stave 29 Media Productions, and Luminous, Bowling claims that the appearance resulted in relentless embarrassment and harassment, and he seeks punitive damages for privacy invasion, fraud, negligent misrepresentation, emotional distress, and misappropriation of his likeness. To add insult to injury, he said the procedure didn't even work. Bowling was told that only older people and doctors watch and that he was promised a 99.9% chance of being cured. Even after a second attempt, he still had the bumps too. However, I wasn't able to find any final decision in this case, so it seems that it may have been settled out of court, but I'm not entirely sure. I sincerely hope Bowling has got justice though. It was horrible that he kind of had to go through that and go through it publicly. I also want to briefly talk about Rachel Ross, one of the doctors that was featured on the show. I mostly want to focus on the show in general, however, because her behavior absolutely cannot be ignored. Rachel is not only a doctor, but she's an anti-vax doctor. And I'm not kidding. I don't know for sure if she's ever told the producers of the show that she held these beliefs. Maybe she did, maybe she didn't. But I wanted to get into what she said about this topic because it certainly shows her flawed mindset and then some. Remember the documentary that I talked about in that three-part Andrew Wakefield video that I did on my YouTube channel, the one called Vaxxed, the anti-vax propaganda nonsense? Well, a letter that Rachel wrote appears in the documentary and it's absolutely infuriating. Here is some of that said letter because it is long and I really don't wanna waste too much time reading the whole thing because it's just gonna make your head spin like it did mine. An apology letter by Dr. Rachel Ross. I've ordered thousands of vaccines in my career as a physician. Until recently, I had never considered vaccine injury as more than folklore. Weeks ago, I would have never believed a story about vaccine injured triplets. So the past few weeks have been difficult. I have struggled to make sense of all that I have seen and learned. I met a mother of triplets the other weekend, a very attractive white woman with years added onto her face and her smile. She recalled to me the day her triplets were born. She and her then husband were ecstatic that she was able to carry them for 36 weeks. At the time, mom was so happy they were inside her long enough to mature. They were born perfectly healthy. I can totally relate since I am now 12 weeks postpartum. I had very similar worries carrying my little princess. Mom's eyes dropped though, as I gave her a hearty smile of excitement. The same day that her triplets were given their six month checkup and vaccines was the same day that all three of her kids checked out. She said it was as if someone replaced her children with new ones. They unlearned all they knew, regressed and screamed for days. I stood there motionless and speechless. She didn't want my pity nor my tears. She just wanted me to know. We all took an oath to first and foremost, do no harm. It's been difficult. Throughout my tenure as a physician, I have watched while our academy has pushed certain medication that we find years later has been causing more harm than good. That hurts. I guess I can't help but wonder if there's a connection between the fact that when we had to give fewer vaccines, we had fewer childhood diseases. It's only human to wonder. We had fewer learning disabilities, less asthma, less autism, and less diabetes. Autism in particular was one in 500 in the late 70s and now has skyrocketed to one in 50. Why so many? Why so soon? I am so sorry that I didn't know that the government has paid out $3 billion to families injured by vaccines through VICP, Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. As a matter of fact, I assume that all vaccines were very, very safe. They have to be because we give them to everyone's kids, right? 
I am so sorry that I didn't realize that there were tens of thousands of families on a list that have never received compensation because they couldn't 100% prove that the vaccine created an injury, even though many of them can pinpoint the day and time that their baby's lights dimmed. I apologize from the bottom of my heart to any children and parents that I have unknowingly harmed. I had no idea. I might just, (laughs) I might just explode. Excuse me, while my brain just literally implodes on itself because, okay, look, I've talked about how vaccines do not cause autism. I'm not gonna sit here and shout into the void about that again, because like I said, those are entire episodes. But for those of you that may be a little bit new here, let me explain a couple things. First and foremost, the VICP paying out people isn't because their vaccines have done harm. And if they have done harm, it's allergic reactions. The VICP compensation data states, being awarded compensation for a petition does not necessarily mean that the vaccine caused the alleged injury. In fact, approximately 60% of all compensation awarded by the VICP comes as a result of a negotiated settlement between the parties in which HHS has not concluded based upon review of the evidence that the alleged vaccines caused the alleged injury. Attorneys are eligible for reasonable attorney's fees, whether or not the petitioner is awarded compensation by the court, if certain minimal requirements are met. In those circumstances, attorneys are paid by VICP directly. By statute, attorneys may not charge any other fee, including a contingency fee, for his or her services in representing a petitioner to the VICP. So no, someone being given money by VICP doesn't mean a vaccine gave their child autism. That's the first point I wanted to make because it's the only numbers or data she actually has to show for her claims. Secondly, the reason why one in 59 babies are diagnosed with autism as opposed to one in 500 is because of better diagnostic testing. Asperger's has been grouped into the autism spectrum in recent years, and we're getting better at identifying under-identified populations. So it's not as if the number of cases are growing, just the number that we can actually identify. Third, describing a baby as the lights going out or the day their baby's lights dimmed is kind of gross. Like how dare you imply that an autistic person can't be as bright as someone who's neurotypical. That kind of language is what hurts so many autistic people. It's what reinforces negative stereotypes and it's why Autism Speaks has been criticized time and time again for misrepresenting what autism actually is. To say that vaccines do more harm than good is not only so widely disproven, but it's laughable. So, okay, Rachel, if you really feel that way, go back to the 17th century. Let's see how you do against polio, tetanus, hepatitis A and B, rubella, the measles, pertussis, rotavirus, mumps, diphtheria, and so many other illnesses that have become far more manageable or eliminated thanks to vaccines. There's also been some minor drama with Rachel where she allegedly ruined a $550 dress by smearing makeup on it and then fired her stylist, Allie Levine, when she tried to give her other dresses to wear to a daytime Emmy Awards show. I don't know how true this is once again, the story broke on TMZ and you know how I feel about them, but I wouldn't really be surprised if Rachel did this either. My opinion of her is in the tank after reading that letter. However, what you may or may not know is that a lot's changed on the doctors this past year, primarily thanks to COVID. One source states, producers revealed in August that the coronavirus pandemic inspired them to take the talk show in a different direction, at least for season 13. Trustworthy and straightforward medical news has never been more important. The doctors recognizes the opportunity to support our viewers and deliver the content they're looking for and deserve to get. Executive producer Jay McGraw said while discussing the changes, Dr. Ian and our award-winning team come together for season 13 are focused on being an empowering resource of news, solutions, and inspiration to stay healthy and become stronger than ever. 
while ER physician, Dr. Travis Stork, dermatologist, Dr. Sonia Batra, psychologist, Dr. Judy Ho, and OBGYN, Dr. Nita Landry won't be returning to the series as panelists, plastic surgeon, Dr. Andrew Orden confirmed on Instagram that he's still involved with the syndicated show, though it appears to be in a behind the scenes role. First of all, it would have been nice if the show gave legitimate medical advice from the get-go. I love how it took a literal pandemic for them to be like, wow, wait a minute, not spreading false medical claims is actually important. They claim that with the theme, Take Your Power Back, The New Doctors is designed to empower viewers to break through the fear and uncertainty of current times, producers say. This season long series will promote ongoing tips and solutions to get Americans into fighting shape physically, mentally, and emotionally. This is an unprecedented time and people are looking for the latest in updates delivered in an easy to understand format. And The Doctors is the perfect place to help us all take control of our lives, said Smith. Helping people learn how to be the best versions of themselves is a personal passion of mine. And I am excited to bring viewers unbiased information and facts free of any political slant to help them take their power back. And look, I will give almost anything a second chance. If an MLM were to become a traditional business, apologize, promise to do better and market honestly, I would be the first one to say, that's awesome and let's see where this goes. Cautiously, of course. I don't think that'll happen, but if it does, I'd be thrilled to be like, hey, let's announce this, talk about the history and how they're moving forward. So with that said, I decided to take a look at the doctor's YouTube channel and watch some of their most recent clips. As of writing this and see what they're talking about, unbiased information and facts, here we come, right? Well, one of their clips is called The Power of Music and it's just playing over the credits and it's fine, I guess. Uh, It's just the host, Ian Smith, listing off some of his favorite music. The title is The Power of Music and Why It Matters. So I expected to hear a little bit of music therapy knowledge, but I guess not. Uh, There's other clips about using social media mindfully and to wean kids off social media or to be more aware of how they're using it. They also have the Target Karen come onto the show, a woman who had a public viral meltdown at a Target. I feel like she tries to justify her behavior and explain how she was under so much pressure, but I mean, it's kind of a pandemic. Everyone's under pressure. Just don't take it out on the employees. The clip could have been taken out of context, but either way, I hope she profusely apologizes. Maybe she does, but I'm not seeing any of this information and facts they promised. It's just more commentary and opinion. There's a few promising clips where psychiatrist Elevora explains that women are more likely to be overmedicated because women are underrepresented in clinical trials. She says women's hormones fluctuate and may react to medication differently and how some medication actually may stay in the bloodstream for longer. That's why Ambien's recommended dose was cut in half because for women, the drugs stay there at higher levels to the point where it may not be safe to drive in the morning. This does appear to be true. I did find a couple sources on this. So it was a bit hopeful at seeing that clip and it did pleasantly surprise me. Like, wow, here's something that's actually backed up by studies and facts, interesting. But then around the same time, there's some random basic videos of like, you know, hey, cold showers can be good for you and let's try to be relatable and talk about this TikToker who's going to do like a trading up journey. I'm not impressed, but considering where they came from, I'm not disappointed yet. Overall, I just feel as if this is a talk show with some medical advice thrown in now and again. It used to be far worse and far more harmful. And I'm hopeful they keep moving in this generic direction, if only for the fact that at least I'm not seeing any misinformation right away. None that's sticking out anyway. I guess we will have to wait and see. But with that being said, that's where I'm going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you're listening. 
If you want to connect with me outside of this episode, make sure to go to the Linktree link in the description box, wherever you're listening to this, and it will pull up all of my social media links, other projects I'm involved in and things of that nature so that we can connect outside of here. Again, thank you all so much for making it to another episode of The Corporate Casket. I hope you're having a fantastic day and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.